Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. Right. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains, your favorite spot. The place, the best podcast on the planet. Where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. And today, it's going to be fun and exciting, thrilling even. We have the amazing breakout author, KMD. We like to call her D. Uh, KMD Novels. She is a novelist. She is, I'm telling you, she's over the top brains. I met her through her publisher, Amanda Mills Green. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk to her about the writing process, her story, her journey, her truth, character development, putting it all together, working with the publisher, and a few fun facts. Let's welcome her to the edge. How are you, Dee? I'm really well, thanks, April. And yourself? Oh, fine. You just every time I see you, got a million dollar smile. <laughs> the joy of life. And it yeah. doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't. If you put the effort, well, I should say that because it does take effort. People don't try to be happy. Mm-hmm. They don't live out their dreams. They stay stuck in this box of a corporate job or motherhood or, you know, victimism, but they never break out and use their creativity. How did you become an author? And tell us a little bit about your, your history and how you show up in the world. Fantastic. So it's interesting that you mentioned this because this is a big part of the book. Um, So personally, I'm I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I live here in Melbourne, Australia. Um, Professionally, I've been part of the project management industry for many, many years, um, predominantly working in IT and um, the software space. And I loved it because it was highly creative. Um, Over that time, I did a lot of work, um, a lot of volunteer work as well with um, various institutes, you know, producing professional development content um, for the industry. But I kind of got to the end of all that and I felt that I had something else that I wanted to contribute to the world at large around me. Um, And so there's a bit of a story to all of that. But as a result of of that sort of epiphany, I decided to go and, uh, you know, follow a dream that inspired me, which was to write a romance novel. And now a series of them. <laughs> right. Now, were you always a writer as a child in college? Funnily enough, I was. So I studied professional writing at university. I read all of the, um, you know, a lot of literature at the time. But then obviously life takes over. You develop a career. You know, I probably spent the last 10, 15 years of my life um, reading a lot of technical material about my industry, about my profession. Um And now I've rediscovered that joy of storytelling. Um, So where I had developed a lot of stories in my mind, they never actually came to life. So now I've I've been able to find that, that mechanism by which I can deliver it to the world. Well, let's fast forward and get right into Woke Love. Now you said this is going to be a series. We'll get into that in just a moment. But tell us a little bit about the characters and set the scene for us. Yeah, so it is a contemporary um, romance novel. It is about two people living in the modern world. Um, We are talking a lot about technology in the book, so how they interact with technology, how that helps them interact with each other. Um, And on a deeper level, though, it's really about two people that have past traumas 
from childhood as well as past relationships and how they're trying to manifest new worlds for themselves. So how do we reconcile those things in our mind and how do we then come together, make decisions, heal, move forward um, and get into happy and healthy relationships. So for the female character, her name is Shelby. She's highly spiritual. She's really wanting to discover what her passion is in life. And she might be having a little bit of a midlife crisis, to be honest. Um, she is in her late 40s and she talks about how you know, she has a life that she's not necessarily connected to and she dreams of a life that she really wants and how does she manifest that um, in the real world. And he is a modern day leader, um, very modern in the way that he looks at the world and how he interacts with the world. And she, you know, she meets him by chance and they fall in love and then the story plays out. So well, I think this is really beautiful and I love the way how uh, you have really made it very modern and incorporated in uh, technology and artificial intelligence and the way that people are meeting because it's so different now. You know, very you, different. You used to put on a cute dress and sit at the end of the bar and <laughs> eyes and somebody send you a drink. And next thing you know, you're walking down the aisle. But things have changed so much, the interactions in between human beings. And you can draw from that because of your experience in information technology. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about the writing process. It's not easy. You know, when I wrote, I've written three books, uh, but two of them was poetry and one of them was a children's book. It's a lot different. Take our, our brains, which is our listeners, take us a little bit through the process of recording and documenting a story like this. So in order to do that, I think I need to take you back to when it first commenced for me, which was a bit of a, a crisis time. Um, back in 2018, my father passed away. He died horrifically. Like I, I held his hand as he took his very last breath in life. And I remember, you know, the nurses saying to me, it's okay to tell him that it's all right to leave. And it was really a horrendous moment. And at the same time, I think I was going through the start of perimenopause and I was really struggling to sleep. Um, and at the same time, I discovered Marissa Peer and Abraham Hicks. And I was really listening to a lot of that spiritual teaching and wanting to understand what life really means, what my life really means. Um, and then one day I watched a documentary about a gentleman that passed away alone. And all of these four things all culminated in this 3 a.m. wake up every single day. I couldn't sleep. I would lie down. I would put Marissa Peer on, try to meditate myself back into, you know, a calm mode. And this story started to play out in my mind. And I think that Abraham had a lot to do with it because it was this whole concept of, if I make this gentleman the center, you know, my point of attraction, can I build a love story around him so that he doesn't die alone? And I know it sounds really ridiculous, but at 3 a.m., you know, most hallucinations are. So exactly, exactly. But, you know, that's when I get my greatest inspiration. That's when I get my downloads. You know, right? that, is, that is when the universe and God speaks to me directly and says, hey, you know, this is our time. Let's connect. Let's do those things. Yes. So, so this, you start writing the pro you start writing the book. Well, actually, no. What happened was I, I thought I was having these 3 a.m. hallucinations for about four years oh, until wow. October of last year when uh I had another 
sort of crisis moment in my life where I'd been working, doing, you know, 20 hours volunteer a week uh, with a volunteer institute. I was doing, um, you know, 60 hours a week working on a business that was making me miserable. Mm. And these two things came together and I thought, you know what, I don't think this is the life that I actually want to live. Um, and it wasn't about I want to end it. It was about I have to find where I really need to be, where I want to be, what brings me inspiration and joy. And this is not it. So I put down all my tools and I said, right, no more volunteer work, no more of that business. And then I cried for three months. I didn't know what to do with myself. My husband was at wit's end. He was unsure of how to deal with me and everything I was going through. And eventually I thought, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to get this story out of my head onto paper. So on the 31st of January this year, I started writing. I committed myself to three to four hours a day. And in seven weeks, I had 128,000 words and I was done. So uh, then I started the publishing journey and so forth. But as soon as I finished the first one, I started writing the second. Um, that is now complete. Um, and I'm just starting the third now. So it's been a real journey, but it just goes to show that sometimes, you know, things don't come to you in a split moment. You, you have to evolve in order to reach Absolutely. that. And so yeah. are you going to have the same characters of Jackson and Shelby through the entire yes. series? Oh, Absolutely. Wow. So book one is really about how they come together. Book two is about how they stay together and how much time she invests in understanding who they really are as people and what their relationship, uh, what will keep them together. Um, and then book three is set a hundred years in the future. And it really talks about how our lives will evolve as a result of AI and what I believe will happen when we bring love and AI together. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I can only imagine, I can only imagine you scripting that. Tell us a little bit about the publishing process and the editing process. You know, when I wrote my book, I thought it was perfect. I read it 900 times and then yes. I got it back from the editor. It was Red Pen City. And I was like, I hate all these red marks. And she goes, that the red pen is your friend. It makes it better, you know, because we have an idea of what it is, but it's like giving birth to a baby. Once it comes out, it belongs to the world. So you have to make it user-friendly. What was that editing and, and publishing process like? Yeah, the editing process was as you exactly imagine. You write the book and you think it's wonderful and then you start to reread it and start to find all of the character faults, you know, the story faults and so forth. So I think I, I like you, would have read the book. I think I have um, about 55 versions. Um, and funnily enough, the first version that I was going to release is actually not what got released. Um, you know, there were some major changes along the way, um, you know, even down to little things like changing the person's name, um, you know, changing character names, changing the structure of families, so on and so forth. Lots of things. Even but consistent. People don't realize, you know, you get excited, but then Shelby turns into another person that you didn't really realize you have to keep it consistent her look her feel her sound her texture her relationships how she interacts that is not an easy feat did you have a writing coach or did you take a course or you did this pretty much singularly 
Yeah, this is very much authentically just me at this point oh. in time. Um, I think that in the future, that is something I will definitely benefit from, um, having a writer's coach to guide me through um, how I could evolve my characters a bit better, how I could evolve my stories a bit better. But right now it is just organically me. Um, and I look forward to that process. I'm really looking forward to the next stage of growth for me as an author. Um, I'm constantly asking people, you know, friends to read my book and give me feedback. Um, and they've been fantastic. They've been really true and honest. Um, you know, I've got a particular girlfriend. I really love the universe and everything about this concept that we are being guided. That's how I feel personally. Right. And that came through in Shelby. But my girlfriend's not really into it. So she sort of said, you should probably pull back on that a little. So, you know, it's interesting that everybody that reads the book has a different interpretation and different things resonate. And that's wonderful too, because it allows us to. It adapt. is. It is. And again, like I said, it is for the general public after we release our first version, second version of that. So what does your husband think about his wife being an accomplished author? <laughs> Um, I think it was an interesting start. At first, when I wrote the book, he didn't want to read it. He literally played video games flat out for three weeks, did not oh, mention wow. it. And I kept saying to him, you must read it. You must read it. Because of all the people in my life, I trust you the most to tell me if it's good or if it's, you know, terrible. Right. Um he did eventually read it. It only took him three nights. I think he was pleasantly surprised. Um, I think he was a little bit worried, you know, that maybe some of the sex scenes may sound like us. Yeah, was, wow. I but mean, he, was, he was happy that it didn't sound too much like us. So that was good. Uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, tell us a little bit about finding a publisher. Brains, what you have to understand is the role and the responsibility of a publisher. A publisher gets you prepared. They hook you up a lot of times with an illustrator or an editor. They shop your book where you might be positioned if it's in big box stores uh, and get you on Amazon, get your uh, ISBN number, all these things. But what you have to understand is that a publisher is not a marketer or a salesperson. They have very different functions. What was the relationship and how did you find your publisher? Um, so I found, so funnily enough, Amanda is actually my PR person. So okay. she's, yeah, she's fantastic um, at doing the PR, but you're right. I think that one of the issues with becoming an author was that I didn't realize that it's actually a business. Um, so when I started, I was, you know, for me, the joy is the writing. That's that's what I love. The editing, not so much because you're having to constantly rework um, and getting through that process, the creative elements, finding where to market, so on and so forth. It is a real business and it's, you know, it's a volume-based business. I've got to sell as many widgets as I can in order to, to make um, a return on my investment. So they were all things that I didn't think about and I've had to learn along the way. Now you get through the publishing process and positioning your book in uh, retailers, you know, that has changed. Marketing and promoting the book has changed considerably, especially after COVID. So many authors have fallen off the radar. What I want you to understand, uh, Brains, is to be consistent. It's, you know, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You have to stay consistent 
because this is your body of work and nobody, nobody is going to have the passion, the drive, the inspiration or the way with all and the bandwidth to sell through these books. They're still selling the Bible. They're still selling, uh, you know, Bob Proctor's books. They're still selling, you know, comic books. You have to be consistent with it. Now, there's a whole lot of different options in selling books. What are some of the creative ways that you've had? Have you had some book signings? Have you had online book signings? Tell us a little bit about how you've been able to personally market your book. Yeah, funnily enough, I haven't tried those things yet. I am literally at the beginning of my journey. So hearing it from people like yourself, um, I've been doing a lot of research on YouTube um, with other published authors that might be sort of 10 to 15 years into their careers. They've been fantastic because they've tried it all over that time and they give great um, guidance and wisdom. So there's lots of um, sort of authors conventions and so forth that I'd like to attend in the future in order to understand more about this works. There's an entire industry around it, which I'm just learning and discovering for the first time, but really enjoying it. Well, it is a process and it is a learning curve. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, you know, I always encourage people to do an online book signing. Four or five of your friends, you know, have virtual wine, cheese, yeah. and talk about it. Read an excerpt of the book. That's my next gift. Would you be kind enough to read us a short excerpt of the book? I want to hear a little about a little bit about Shelby and Jackson's experience. Um, all right. Well, let me grab it and I'll read something from here. Uh, let's go to the next chapter, actually. Apologies. That feel to feel the pages of your literary work. Isn't it amazing when you first got that book in the mail? Were you just like, and you know, just in awe, it's like, I did this, I accomplished this. Oh, wow! I did, I did. And funnily enough, it's so close to what I imagined it to be. Um, I think the beauty of life now as I get older is understanding that I actually can manifest the things that I want. Oh, yes, and you know, and I. I think for a certain part of your life, you don't believe that to be true, but it is. <laughs> and so the more often I practice but it. Was, it would be true. I just thought that I would be overwhelmed. My mother used to say to me, baby, could you imagine if you got everything you wished for? So, yeah, I, 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 get, yeah. <laughs> I get exactly what you're saying. All right. All right. So this is chapter five and it's called Him. Um, Awake, Silence. Jackson reaches for his phone, 54 emails, scroll, 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 messages, 10 texts, mother, brother, ex-girlfriend, no Shelby. Outlook, diary, Houston today, LA for a few days, back to Houston, a free weekend. Houston on Monday, home for the weekend. Mm. Outlook, new email, to Shelby, CC Elise, his EA. Shelby, I'd like to discuss the next phase of development. Please be in Houston on Friday. I'll see you in my office at 8 a.m. Elise will organize your travel and be in touch. Send, done. Messages, new message to Elise. Please block out my diary from 8 to noon on Friday and organize dinner for two on Friday night. Late, somewhere nice. Diary, today. Meeting with the factory staff at 8 a.m. New design review at 10. Three hours at his desk in the afternoon. At least he has some time to do work today. Twitter, scroll, scroll, scroll. 
a meme of a skeleton sitting on a toilet using their mobile phone. This is what happens when you spend too much time on Twitter on the toilet. He laughs, hilarious, very true, love heart. Scroll, scroll, scroll. You may be deceived if you trust too much, but you will live in torment if you don't trust enough. Frank Crane, mm, interesting, love heart. Jackson swings his legs from the bed and sits up. He leans forward and pats Pluto. Pluto rolls over, wanting his tummy scratched. Jackson obliges, good boy. Silence. Shower, shave, something new perhaps. Maybe an all black ensemble today. Black jeans, black t-shirt, black boots, looking good. Phone, keys, silence again. But this time there's a glimmer of hope. Well, that's definitely sparked my interest. You know. <laughs> It did because I was there with him. Scroll, 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 you know. Going scroll, scroll, through, scroll. <laughs> through a million emails and he's looking for some sort of response from uh, Shelby. So I see here in the beginning of the book is now they're just starting to develop it, what it appears to me to be is like a platonic relationship, but it is going to move into something much more gracious. As we were talking uh, in our initial, just, you know, uh, vetting conversation, just kind of getting to know one another. I was talking to you about an audiobook. Audiobooks are all the rave. That's my that's my favorite go through go to because I can multitask. I can do a couple of things and listen to the book as well. Do you see your books? I mean, and, and again, manifestation. Do you see having an audiobook, maybe a Netflix series, maybe a cartoon? Where do you see this long-term going outside of just creating the novels? Absolutely. I My vision is for somehow this book to be made into a movie. And, and the reason why is because the book very much focuses, focuses on interaction. It's really about connection between these two people. And a lot of it is vocal. So a lot of it is about them talking to each other and so forth. So I think it would make a great audio book. And since you mentioned it, Avril, I have been furiously trying to study audio books and finding ways in which I can make that happen. So I'm very thankful to you that you brought that to me because it's definitely something I'll follow up on. Well, I, you know, again, the rhythm, the uh, the texture, the timeliness, where it's set in the future, all of that is very progressive. It's very interesting, and it has sparked our interest. So, what would you like your legacy to be, Dee? I would like my legacy to be that I become a bit of a thought leader around how we can use technology to improve the way we fall in love. You know, wow. today it is a very haphazard process. You could meet millions of people before you find that one person that you fall in love with and have a true connection with. And so much of it is physiological. So physiological. So it's really about, you know, how your hormones are interacting when you see somebody, the way that they smell, pheromones, you know, so many things are involved in that process. Um, and it's very difficult to navigate for that very reason how can we use technology in the future and the technologies that are being invented now to actually try and circumvent some of that because if we look at things like you know we talk a lot about um, fertility rates and the fact that um, infertility well, it's not necessarily infertility but it's you know low fertility rates being that people are choosing not to have children rather than incapable of having them mm -hmm. um, if we look at all that 
and we think to ourselves, well, we, we've got a population decline. We need to make sure that the population stays at a certain level or increases. Um, the only way we do that is by having connection between people and producing more human beings. Um, but it's a really difficult process. And the more educated we become, the less likely we are to do that. So, you know, something has to give. Something has to change. Um, and so that's when I started to think, how do these two things actually come together? And I would love to explore that with people that are more scientific and, you know, so forth than me and actually talk about how do we create the world that we actually want? Mm. Um, one in which we do feel loved and we do feel connected and we do feel inspired. And I know that they are just words, but you know, I was even watching a gentleman the other day and he was talking, it was a TED talk, and he was talking about the things that people say when they're dying. And a lot of the time, it's really that I wish I had been more connected with the people around me. I wish I had built better relationships. Um, how do we, how are we going to use technology to make that happen? And well, it's, it's again, it's fighting against the machine because in the last, I'll say 18 months, uh, artificial intelligence, the information, Chat AI has just skyrocketed. Yes. And, you know, and again, there's going to be trial and error. People really don't know how to use this for the greater good. They're yeah. going to have to figure out what that is. And like you said, I've got tons of people that I know that have dated and fallen in love and gotten married just by dating sites, which to me mm -hmm. is so foreign after being married 39 years. I wouldn't even know where to go, what to ask, how to build a profile any of those things. But then when you have a computer or um, synthetic emotions interact with that, gauging who you are, checking your pulse against someone else's, it is going to be definitely an interesting phenomenon. Thank yeah. you so much, uh, Dee, for being here on the edge. Please tell my brains where they can purchase a copy of Woke Love contact you, follow you, and become a supporter of this amazing series. Thank you. Um, so you can learn more about me on my website, which is www.kmdnovels.com.au. You can also email me at author at kmdnovels.com.au. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google Books, Booktopia, Goodreads, Fishpond, and a host of others. Um, book two is going on pre-order, hopefully in October, and I'm hoping to get that on the shelves early November. And book three will hopefully be available in February of 2024. Um, if you are on Instagram or Facebook, just look up KMD Novels um, and you should find me there. Well, we're going to put all of your information in the show notes uh, and we're going to be following you. Please come back as you release each one of the books. We want to stay close to you. We want to be your premier podcast that features your amazing work. Brains, go in, please. Like, love, share, but most importantly, purchase a copy of Woke Love and follow KMD Novels on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much again, Dee. Uh, I love all my friends there in the land down under. Continue to thrive and continue to live your best life. Thank you so much, April. Thank you. All right. Bye, Brains. <laughs>